Well, I want to show you a picture that I took Friday night. This is the house of some people in our church. Uh, Chris and Marie Moyers and their kids. Uh, I didn't tell them I was going to show it this Sunday. <laughs> they were at the first service, but I did ask permission to say it was them, and they said that I could. So anyway, I went there and took this picture. You, there's some you can't see of the detail. They do have a, a nativity set up in there as well. Uh, and then there's music playing, so it's one of those, you know. You drive up and you hear the music. Did you know that the first lights on a Christmas tree happened about four or 500 years ago? And, of course, they were candles. And you wonder, how do they keep the tree from burning up? Very carefully. <laughs> Actually, what they had to do is they, would, they had to, they had to uh, uh, you know, bring back, cut off the branches that were above the flames. So literally, they had to trim the tree. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, now we've got electricity, and it looks great here. And, and can you imagine uh, Christmas without lights? I was just thinking of that the other day. That would be really hard to imagine, wouldn't it? Christmas without any lights. So if you had to give up one thing about the Christmas season, which of the following would be the hardest for you to give up? Christmas lights, Christmas movies, Christmas cookies, or Christmas presents. So what I'd like you to do in just a moment is to huddle together in groups of three or four and, uh, and tell which one you think would be the hardest to give up. And if you don't want to say, that's fine. Uh, feel free to just listen. And as, as we all, we don't do this every Sunday, but when we do, just kind of, you form your huddle look and if you see somebody near you who's alone, see if they want to come and, and huddle with you. You only get a couple of minutes, so keep it rolling so everybody has a chance to talk starting now. Well, I'd like, to kind of, I'd like to take a poll from you here and find out what you thought. I'd just give a shout out if you said that the hardest of these to give up would be Christmas lights. Yeah? All right. And give a shout out if you said Christmas movies. All right. Who said Christmas cookies? And finally, Christmas presents. You know, that was fairly even, wasn't it? I'm amazed by that. Um, and what we know is that really we could celebrate Christmas without any of them, couldn't we? I mean, you know, the substance of Christmas, we could celebrate with none of these. Um, 5,000 years ago, the Druid people built uh, a massive rock formation uh, called Stonehenge. And, and people from all over Britain back then would gather uh, in that site for the winter solstice feast and ceremony, marking the time each year when finally the days would start to grow longer. And two of the largest stones that are now fallen were once set up so that on, at sunset, on the win day of winter solstice, the light would perfectly fall between those two stones. What you may not know is that early this morning on the Salisbury Plain of southern England, hundreds of people gathered at Stonehenge today not to celebrate Christmas, but to celebrate winter solstice. And they sang songs about it and about nature and, 
and uh, how the kind of like the rebirth of the sun because the days are getting longer and uh, and some of them they some of them danced and 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 played hand drums and and tapped rocks together with the music and and many of them openly identified themselves as pagans or druids whatever that is and some were wearing unusual costumes and and masks and some hugged the stones and put their head up to them, trying somehow to gain some kind of energy from it. Uh, they gathered this morning at Stonehenge to relive the pagan practices of their ancestors. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and for the last three weeks uh, I've been saying that unless we prepare spiritually, Christmas will be for us nothing more than a pagan holiday. What do you think of that? Unless we prepare spiritually, Christmas will be nothing more than what the crowd at Stonehenge did this morning. Advent is that season of preparation. And historically, one of the voices that we listen to this time of year is John the Baptist. John was one of the people who was called to prepare uh, the people of Israel for for the, to come to meet Jesus. Uh, and that's why this month we've been listening to him and we've been confessing our sins and changing our ways. You know, back in ancient times when a king was soon to be visiting uh, a, a village or town, they would often rebuild the roads. You know, they would, they would make the roads really good and smooth and straight. Because the king was coming, and they wanted the king to have a good road to travel on. And that's the kind of picture that we have here uh, that what John says when he's quoting Isaiah, that, that we've got to straighten our paths. We've got to get rid of the ruts that, that will take us off course so that we are ready when the Messiah comes. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 1. If you're using the Pew Bible, you'll see it on page 1063. We're going to look at a, a few of the verses in the passage that Becky read for us. And if you are wishing this Christmas that you had a Bible like this to read at your, at your, own, of, of your own home, let's make that happen. Right after worship, you can head to the Connection Center next to the elevator, and you'll see a little display of free Bibles just take one you can have it and if you're thinking well where would I start reading today we're reading from this biography uh, written by the disciple John not John the Baptist a different John and I think this would be a great place to to begin reading um, now the, the people knew that John the Baptist was a was a great guy a, a man of God and crowds came from everywhere to hear him to hear him preach, to be baptized, and rumors swirled about John. Who is he? Is, is he the return of Elijah that Malachi talked about? Is he the prophet predicted by Moses? Could he even be the Messiah? But John left no doubt. Verse 23, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. John knew the Messiah was coming. In verse 27, he says, He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. 
I mean, the people then knew that John was a big figure, you know, the greatest person they knew. But, he, but John knows who he is. You know, back then, untying and taking off someone's sandals was like the most menial job of all that only a, you could only get a slave to do for you because who else would do that, right? And John says his own importance is less than that of a slave compared to the one who's coming. Now let's look at verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, will you say the rest with me? Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John points people away from himself, and he points them to Jesus. And that's what we're talking about today, uh, pointing people away from ourselves and pointing them to Jesus. Now, you might think that for me as a pastor and a preacher, that it would be pretty easy for me to do that, you know, point people away from me, point them to Jesus, but I will tell you that sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it doesn't go well. Uh, consciously and unconsciously, sometimes I find myself still doing, saying things to try to impress people, you know? I find myself saying things just so they'll think I'm smart. I find myself saying things so that they'll think I'm clever or talented or have exceptional taste. Why do I do it? Because deep down, I'm insecure. And I want people to like me. And I want people to admire me and think highly of me so I can feel better about myself. Now, over the years, God has been showing me, Steve, you don't need to do that. I've received all the affirmation I need from God. Now, I didn't earn this affirmation. It was given to me. And, I, and the more I live into God's affirmation, this, this identity that I am God's beloved child, then the less that I'm going to end up doing and saying things because I crave affirmation from other people. Let me, let me give you an example of what this looks like. Um, on Friday, I went to, the, went to the hospital to visit Leah Donoso, our director of children's ministry. She had surgery the day before. She's doing well, by the way. And, of course, you know, I talked with her and Brian, and we had, the conversation kind of, you know, goes from topic to topic, different things. And, and as, I, as I was listening to Leah and Brian, you know, my brain, as it does for all of us, is just naturally connected to my own experiences. And it would have been so easy to launch into them. I think I only did it once, and I kept it really short. So that's good. But I had to remember, remind myself that I'm not here to talk about me. I'm not here to point to myself. I am here for them. A few years ago, I, I went through training to be a coach, and so now I am coaching other pastors in our Great Plains Conference, and I've coached a few people of you here at, the, at our church. And, and uh, our, the trainers that I had said that, that coaches are in any session are only supposed to do about 20% of the talking. And most of that, a lot of that is asking questions. 
And if I talk too much, then I have to think about, why am I doing this? And so we use the acronym WAIT, which stands for, why am I talking? <laughs> right? <laughs> WAIT! You see, coaching is not about how smart I am. Matter of fact, the trainer said, you got to dial down your genius to be a coach. <laughs> what genius you think you have. Uh, it's not about me coming up with the right answers. It's about them coming up with their answers. But I struggle with it. On Wednesday, I, I posted a video of me performing a Christmas song. And I offered it as a Christmas card to my Facebook friends. The song was about Jesus. That's good. But over the last few days, I've checked the app on my phone way more often than I care to admit. Got to see how many likes I got. Ninety-four. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but social media, sometimes it plays right into my insecurities, my craving for affirmation. So God and I are still working on that one, right? God and I are still working on that one. And maybe someday I will be so secure that I could, I could post a song on Facebook and not even look at it for a week or more. You think that could happen? Who knows? So here's, here's what I want to say today. As Jesus' disciple, I want to port, point more to him and less to me. And that's what John the Baptist did, right? Let's say it together, shall we? As Jesus' disciple, I want to point more to him and less to me. In our five blessed practices, you see there up on the banners, um, you know, it's not like they have to be followed strictly in order, but there is some sense to the order of them. So you can see how listening comes well before sharing, right? Actually, all of them come before sharing. Praying, listening, eating, serving. And, and by doing it that way, it kind of prevents us what would be very natural is to get into it to point to ourselves. This helps us to get ahead of that so that we don't do it that way. Anyway, a couple chapters later in this gospel, John the Baptist says, he's trying to explain the relationship between him and Jesus, and he says, it's kind of like I'm the best man and Jesus is the groom. John says, it's not about me. Uh, this isn't, this isn't my big day. I'm here to support him. And when he takes center stage, then I'm happiest. John sums it up this way. He says, he must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater and I must become less. You know, our culture, we know this, it puts a bigger emphasis on Christmas than the Christ of Christmas. And, you know, that's probably to be expected. But here, I mean, that's a big part of the reason that we're here. Here, 
we're learning that he must be greater. He must take center stage. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I received an email from a mom here in our church. Um, she said that on her way home, on their way home after church that Sunday, uh, the Christmas station was on the radio in the car. And it was playing a really annoying rendition of I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. And her five-year-old piped up and said, Why are we listening to this? We should be listening to music about Jesus, like Away in a Manger. Oh, way to go, kid, you know? So mom quickly located Away in a Manger on her phone and played it. But it wasn't the version her five-year-old learned in Sunday school. So mom had to switch to that one. Jesus must become greater, greater than the lights and the movies and the cookies and the presents. Let's say it together again, shall we? As Jesus' disciples, I want to point more to him and less to me. You know, I think that's why we make Christmas Eve, the, the center of our Christmas Eve is worship. The, it's the kind of the big thing. That, that, that service starts the whole Christmas celebration for each of us. And, and whether you're going to be here or you're going to be somewhere else worshiping with family, we know that, that, that when we hear the, the scriptures and we pray the prayers and we light the candles and we sing Silent Night, that, that we are a part of something really big and profound. By coming to church on Christmas Eve, we step into a very different story than if we stayed home and watched Christmas Vacation, right? And I hope that on Christmas Day, you will find a way to keep pointing to him. And maybe one of you, before your meal, you will, you will offer a thoughtful prayer. And maybe one of you will we'll read a Christmas devotion that you found. And in the span of just a few minutes, you will have done a whole lot to, to shape that Christmas day and your experience of it so that it's pointing to the one who is greater. There are many uh, classical paintings of the, of the great artists that depict John the Baptist pointing to Jesus. I think this one uh, comes from the Vatican. I'm not sure who the painter is. Um, but uh, some, of the, some of them are like this one where John is pointing to Jesus and some of them uh, depict Jesus as a lamb. So Jesus is symbolized then by that lamb. But either way, John is, his index finger is pointing out, his arm is outreached, pointing to that one. And I thought, how can I be more like that? And why would I want to? Because of who Jesus is and what he's done. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The first uh, couple Sundays in Advent, I used uh, a, you know, different long, sort of long, uh, prayers of confession and uh, that I read part of it and you say part of it and we're going to do another one similar to that today and uh, just so you know your part 
will be in yellow. So that will kind of cue you into when you're reading, make it easier. But let's pray. Lord Jesus, our Savior, we confess that we find it easy to let Christmas slip into a pagan holiday that does not point to you. We have let ourselves be carried away by a culture that focuses on sentimental scenes of jingle bells and white Christmases. We have not put you at the center of our celebration. We have spent more on gifts and decorations than blessing those in need. We have so busied ourselves that you are no longer at the center. We have found it easy to point to ourselves. We have rarely considered how our lives could point to you. Good and gracious God, you have sent us, but we have avoided your call. You sent the angels to tell the shepherds. You sent a star to guide the magi. You sent John to prepare the way. But when you sent us, we were too busy. Use us, Lord Jesus, weak as we are. We want to know you so well that pointing to you happens naturally. Oh God, we hear the promise, you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Jesus, Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, we will point to you. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we, are, uh, we thank you so much that you have spoken your word to us and, and uh, pointed the way for us. Uh, Lord, we need to hear this message about you and, and to know what it means that you are the Savior of the world. And Lord, there may be some here today who say, Jesus, you're just a figure of the past. You're some historical person, someone I learned about when I was a child, but I don't really know you. And so, if that's where you are, I pray that you will just uh, let the door of your heart open just a little and know that Jesus will be there to meet you. That he will say, come, spend your life with me. 
I will transform you and make you new. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's stand.